Uh, and so uh, we are uh, continuing our series where we are looking at the Minor Prophets. Uh, if you have never read the Minor Prophets and you're reading along with us, when you get through with this week's reading, you will be two-thirds of the way through the Minor Prophets. So that's eight out of 12 that we will have done. Uh, and that, that's a that's a great uh, experiment just right there of us being able to read uh, passages of Scripture that we don't often spend a lot of time reading. I told you a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the book of Nahum, and I told you that Nahum is not in the Revised Standard uh, Lectionary, so typically you would never hear uh, the book of Nahum preached if someone follows the lectionary text. Um, when you look today uh, that we're trying to look at Habakkuk, and it is only in the lectionary uh, two times. And so over three years, you're only going to hear just a snippet of Habakkuk. And so again, it's one of those books that's not preached often, uh, and probably not a lot of studies are, are done uh, with, with the book of Habakkuk. We've, we've been looking at it and talking about it on our Wednesday Bible studies, if you've been joining in with those, we see a lot of tension that exists between the mercy of God and the judgment of God. And so uh, we've kind of balanced that as we've looked in each one of these prophets of, are they speaking more to the mercy of God? Or are they speaking more to the judgment of God? And Habakkuk is one who speaks a lot to, to the judge, justice, the justness of God, but does it in a very direct way. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's a very challenging uh, passage of Scripture for us to, to explore. Um, and what I would tell you is one of the really um, big questions within the book of Habakkuk. Uh, if our students a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, I did a series on Habakkuk, if you'll remember. And we, and we talked a lot about it, the existential question of why. And even this past Wednesday, Al led a discussion of why God uh, wasn't necessarily tied to Habakkuk, but it's, it's this existential question of if God is loving and God is good, which we believe, then why do we still see the injustice that we see in the world? That's what Habakkuk is dealing with, is Habakkuk is looking at his world not much different than ours to some degree, looking at his world and saying, why is all of this injustice still occurring? And so he's struggling with this question. One of the great legacies to me of the, of the prophets, I mean, especially the minor prophets as you look at those, is it is a very definite um, scriptural basis for social justice. And I realize social justice, just the term throws people in different directions. I want you to kind of set that aside for just today, for this hour. When we think about what they're talking about is they are clear advocates that, that a relationship with God is not meant to be private. It is meant to be a public demonstration of fairness, and, and it balances that. Wesley would say that a relationship with Jesus is personal, not private. Wesley would say you cannot love God and not love your neighbor. And so these are the same concepts that you see when you get to Habakkuk. Habakkuk is looking at the world and saying on an economic level, on a political level, on a structural level, you see abuse of power. And all of this is existing. And how can this exist if God is 
loving and if God is in control and God is good. And so he questions this. And here's the interesting thing when you watch Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk, um, he argues with God. And so the whole book is kind of this dialogue, or most of it at least, is a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. And Habakkuk is literally arguing with God. I hear people, and people will say this to me, when we talk about a scripture and we don't understand it, and we'll say, okay, well, let's ask this. What, why would God, we're not supposed to ask anything. I mean, I've had people tell me that in Bible studies in church, they go, we're not supposed to question anything. We're not supposed to look at the Bible and, and ask a question of why this would occur. Go read the minor prophets. The minor prophets struggle with God. And it's not out of... Uh, hostility it's not even out of uh, non-reverence it's out of a deep passion to grow closer to God is struggling with the real situations of life to be able to stop and go why why is this occurring we can look at the world today from different perspectives and stop and go why why God that's what you see in Habakkuk and so I want you to, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to the third chapter. Normally I start at the very beginning. I'm going to go to the end of Habakkuk. And so if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to the third chapter. I encourage you each and every week to bring your Bibles with you uh, because we do not have the pew Bibles here uh, in person. We will try to put some of the scriptures on the screen, but not all. Uh, so uh, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles with you. Habakkuk chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 17. Scripture reads this, though the fig tree doesn't bloom and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't provide food, though the sheep are cut off from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord God is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. Here's a person struggling with why do we see the injustice that we see in the world? Why doesn't it stop? And yet you hear in him, even though these things occur, I will rejoice in the Lord. Now, I don't know about your house, but we, we have varying views about which shows to watch on television. Uh, Claire is a great Hallmark movie person. Uh, she is ecstatic that it is now 24 hours a day until Christmas. Uh, it seems as though we just had Christmas in July for Hallmark, and then they did a little extra little part in August, and so I think we've moved now to feel long year. Uh, of, and I, some of y'all are happy about that. Uh, and it's, it's not that it's a bad show. I mean, I, I enjoy those two. Uh, I don't have the socks yet. Claire told me I was not worthy of the Hallmark socks, but... Um, but I'm working to get there. Uh, but, but I have a show that I like that Claire doesn't understand or doesn't want to watch at all. And it's a show called Alone. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have any of y'all seen the show Alone. I am alone here in the sanctuary. <laughs> y'all have got to watch this. It's on the History Channel. It's a great show. And it's what it is, it's about people who, <laughs> I'm not going to sell this very well, I know. <laughs> 
But it's about people who are dropped off in the, like, the Arctic, and they are alone. Now, they're not like Survivor alone, where they have camera crews and medical teams and all these people that are with them. They're literally by themselves with a camera, and they have to film their life. And they, have to, they, they don't get rice that's given to them to cook. They have to literally survive. And I think this is amazing to watch them and they have to film everything. And, and again, I'm probably going to get a lot of emails on this and, and please don't email me. But the, you know, they have to trap their food. They have to, they have to survive. And so they will go out. And, and what's amazing to me as I've watched this show, because I really think it really speaks a lot, even to this text, but just to our life in general, man, they are so incredibly thankful when they come across just something little, a small rabbit, and they will use every part of that rabbit uh, to be able to, to survive. And they, and they give thanks. Now, they may not be thanking God in my head. That's what they should be doing. But they're, they're giving thanks uh, for, for, the, for the provision. Uh, but it's just amazing to watch them as they, they have nothing literally nothing and they are no they are in the middle of nowhere with no one and they are incredibly thankful and I just say that because that's what I hear in Habakkuk in this text is this incredible even though everything is wrong I will rejoice in the Lord I want you to hear the emotion of that like in today's language even even though I have no food in my pantry, even though I don't know where my next gas tank of gas is going to come from, even though I have no money in the savings account or in my checking account, even though I don't and haven't felt comfortable coming into church in a year, even though it has been months since I've seen my friends face to face other than Zoom, even though the doctor has come back with the report and told me that it is not good, I will rejoice in the Lord. That's what Habakkuk claims. I will put all my faith in God. When I read that and I hear his struggle, I ask the question, at least for myself, of what causes someone to have that kind of attitude? Because that's what I want, right? That's what I want to be able to do is to give God. What causes someone to have that kind of attitude? And I think what we see is that Habakkuk teaches us that God is always at work. It's faith. It's faith that believes that God is always at work. Listen, to go back into the first chapter. Go back and just listen to some of the questions that he raises in Habakkuk 1, verses 2 and 3. Lord, how long will I call for help and you not listen? I cry out to you, violence, but you don't deliver us. Why do you show me injustice and look at anguish so that devastation and violence are before me do you ever ask that question you may phrase it in a different way but why God how long somewhere my hope is somewhere along the way over the last eight months 
you've asked that question of the pandemic. I mean, how long is this going to last? How long are we not going to feel comfortable to gather back together? Why do things keep occurring? Habakkuk is writing at one of the most difficult times in the life of Judah. And although God has sent prophet after prophet to tell them to repent, they continue to be disobedient. The nation continues to rebel against God. You have to think that Habakkuk, trying to be obedient to God, would feel like it's a slap in the face. Why does this keep happening? Why? How long? Now I want you to stay with me and listen. I didn't put this on the screen because I want you to hear God's response to Habakkuk's question of how and why, how long. Listen to what God says starting in verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Be astonished and stare because something is happening in your days that you wouldn't believe even if told. I am about to rouse the Chaldeans, that bitter and impetuous nation, which travels throughout the earth to possess dwelling places it does not own. The Chaldean is dreadful and fearful. He makes his own justice and dignity. His horses are faster than leopards. They are quicker than wolves of the evening. His horsemen charge forward. His horsemen come from far away. They fly in to devour swiftly like an eagle. They come for violence, the horde with all their faces set toward the desert. He takes captives like sand. He makes fun of kings. Rulers are ridiculous to him. He laughs at every fortress. Then he piles up dirt and takes it. He passes through like the wind and invades, but he will be held guilty. The one whose strength is his God. What we see in this passage, God's response, when we ask that question of how can Habakkuk have that kind of faith, God in essence says, you don't see all that God is doing. You don't understand completely all that God is doing. God responds to Habakkuk's question with some astonishing things that I promise you was the last thing that Habakkuk ever thought God would say. And if you look at this text, God was saying that he was preparing the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, He was preparing the Babylonians who were more evil than the rebellious people of Israel. He was preparing them to be his deliverers of judgment. The people who were more evil, the enemy, if you will, God was preparing them to be the deliverers of God's judgment. And so we don't always know what God is doing. And we don't fully understand all that God is doing. Sometimes our faith is the only thing that we have. Sometimes what we have to do is hold on to faith even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't see the answer that we want to see. Anybody know, Do you know what Habakkuk's name means? Clings to Habakkuk is one who clings to his faith. Habakkuk is one who embraces another translation of the name. He is one who clings to or embraces his faith. That's what we have to do sometimes. 
Some of you have walked in even today and told me that 2020 has just been a horrible year. And if you didn't tell me that, it's still probably been a bad year. Sometimes even when we have situations like we are in, the only thing we can do is cling to our faith. The only thing that we can do is hold on to the fact, you pray that in your prayer, the only thing we can do is pray, is hold on to the fact that God in his right day, in his right time, he will move. We will cling to our faith. Faith is believing that God will respond and God will act in right time, regardless of what the circumstances we are in and regardless of how we see them. Habakkuk understood that he needed to stand, he needed to wait, and he needed to, wor- to worship. And you stop and go, how could he? Because this is the way I, when I read it, I'm like, okay, so he could come to understand that God was working in ways he couldn't see and that God, he couldn't fully understand. How did he get to that? How did he get to that place where he was able to do that? And here would be my response. He knew God. He knew that God would sustain him. He knew that God would strengthen him. He knew that God would provide in the right moment. He knew that God would protect. As I was writing this sermon, I I, I wrote it a few days ago, but we we were in our men's Bible study. And so for those who were in the men's Bible study, you'll remember, we looked at a passage in Acts where Paul is imprisoned. And you may remember the story. It may kind of remind you of this. Paul was imprisoned and it said that it was at midnight and he was imprisoned in the innermost cell and he was in chains. So I want you to think about that. It's because the image is important. It's trying to kind of set up this cosmic battle of good versus evil in the innermost cell in chains at midnight, the darkest time that you could find in your life. And what was Paul doing? He was praising God. At midnight, with his chains on in the innermost cell, he was praying and giving God praise. Why? Because he knew God. He knew that God would provide for him. He knew that God would protect him. He knew that God would would be there with him. He knew that God would strengthen him. That's exactly what we see in Habakkuk. This confidence in God. And so the question for us is, we read this as we struggle, is are we being steadfast in our confidence of God? Are we enduring during this time of a pandemic? Or are we just simply waiting rather than realizing God's moving now? God's moving in us. God's working. That's what faith, and our part of that is beginning to be thankful, giving God praise, just like we saw Paul, just like we can sit there and see Habakkuk when he says, and he looks at the world, he says, but I will rejoice. Over the last few years as I've been here, we, we have done this a couple of times, and I'm going to challenge you because we're getting ready for um, Thanksgiving. We're getting ready for November. And whether you like it or not, November, we tend to be more thankful in November than any other time of the year. Uh, we shouldn't be. We should be thankful all 12 months of the year, but we tend to talk about it, think about it a little bit more. So starting next Sunday, I'm going to encourage you every day at 518, 
You can decide whether that's 5.18 in the morning, 5.18 in the evening. At 5.18, I'm going to encourage you to stop and give God praise. I'm not asking you to pray for God. I'm not to pray to God. I'm not asking you to lift up concerns. you got all day long to do that. At 5.18, we're going to stop and we're going to praise God. Because 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says that we're to give God praise in all circumstances. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do is to let's, let's use the biblical model of how do, we, how do we persevere and how do we endure is we will rejoice. We will rejoice as God's people. I loved your prayer. Al, Al didn't even know what I was preaching on. I loved his prayer at the very beginning because it was like, I'm going to give God thanks. I'm just, I'm just going to thank God. And so that's what I'm going to encourage you to do over November is let's just rejoice in God. And I believe that as we will rejoice, we will be strengthened, we will persevere, we will be steadfast in our faith. That God in his right time, in his right moment, God will move. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we are so thankful for you and for your movement in our lives. And God, I just come... There's so many times that I could look around at our world and raise the exact same questions that Habakkuk answers, ask. Why don't you move? Why do I still see injustice? When will it stop? Maybe I don't rejoice enough. And if that's true, I'm so sorry. Help us as your people to give you all the praise that you deserve for every small thing that you do for us, give for us, provide for us. Let's give you thanks. Thanks.